Welcome to Intimacy Play, a podcast by Pleasy Play. We host open discussions with world-leading experts on couples, sex, and intimacy, so you can build a more exciting, fun, and intimate relationship. I'm your host, Michaela Silva. Hi, hello everyone. Today we have Paulita Papel with us. Paulita is a female creator in the world of porn. So Paulita does a lot of things and actually started studying comparative literature in Berlin and then went on to working as an adult performer. Well, welcome, Paulita. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So how did you go from studying literature to going into filmmaking and uh, being a producer, a performer and a director of pornography? Am I correct? Is this, is this everything you do? Yeah, almost everything. <laughs> uh, I'm um, I'm kind of kind of an workaholic, so I like to do a lot. I'm also a curator and organizer of the Porn Film Festival Berlin. Uh, and yeah, that was quite a career change. I have to say, it wasn't very really vocational when I started studying literature. It was more like I came to Berlin escaping from Spain because I didn't feel well back there. Um, and like many other people, I came to Berlin searching to. Yeah, searching for some fun and to explore and get to know myself better. Um, whilst I was doing that, I figured I could study something. But in the meantime, I also met a bunch of really fun, sex-positive, queer feminist people that were doing porn and no-budget films and art projects. And that is how I started um, working as a performer. I was really fascinated by the idea of performing in porn and meeting these people and learning that for them this was part of their feminist praxis opened my mind and my horizon and I was like, okay, I can, this is for me. I really need to explore this path. And here I am almost like 15 years later. <laughs> It's so interesting the way that the environment actually uh, shapes us and helps us, you know, drive a different path for ourselves. Absolutely. I think it's so important, and especially when you're going to do something that is, you know, socially not really acceptable. I think it's my, the advice that I would give to anyone pursuing a career in porn would be like, search yourself a network of friends, of people, a community where you feel supported and where you know you can turn to them uh, when things are not easy. Oh, I like that. That makes total sense. Um, the thing is, you are in an industry that is still surrounded by a lot of stereotypes, and especially being a woman in a male-dominated industry. So did you run in the, into a lot of obstacles when you decided to become a director? Great question. Actually, I mean, of course, as you're saying, the porn industry is male-dominated, just like any other industry, really, like the film industry or well, anything, music, fashion, architecture, science, everything is male-dominated still, unfortunately, even though things are changing slowly. Um, I think the biggest challenge that I faced when I started doing porn was not anything from within the industry what it was really the stigma um and, and my own prejudice to be honest like i grew up thinking that everything had to do with sex work like prostitution pornography i thought these were tools of the patriarchy to exploit women um i had no idea that i was going to end up here <laughs> you know um so i It was like a long journey where I had to also deconstruct or like get rid of my own prejudices and understand um, understand all of the ideas that I had from this industry that came actually from society that were not real. Interesting. And how did you break through that barrier? Because I can feel 
I know a lot of people that have that prejudice, you know, pornography is, is, is bad. Prostitution is bad. They don't see that it's a job or it can be a job like any other. How did you get that uh, breakthrough? I think it's a very long and very personal, deep process and like deep work <laughs> because it has to do with your most, or in my case, it had to do with my most inner fears and feelings of shame. Um, so I think it had so much to do with the, my own understanding of myself as a sexual being and my sexuality. And so many things that have been told to me that made me feel like there was something wrong with me. Like I'm a person, I'm pansexual, which means that I am attracted to people from very different genders. And I'm also not monogamous, which means I can love and or have sex with different people um, at the same time or in different times. But I don't feel like I need to be exclusively sexually with sexual with one person. And I had a lot of issues around this that now for me, like I have all these words to describe it and I can talk about it super easily. And I have, I have had access to so many researches to understand all of this, which I'm so grateful for. But when I started out as a teenager, I just didn't know anything of, of this and I just felt weird and I felt there was something wrong with me. And I felt like I was causing pain to my partners and to myself. So for me, going into pornography was one step towards taking control, taking like taking my own decisions, being like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do with my body. And then because you go into this like margin of society, because pornography is stigmatized, I met all of these wonderful people that are also self-empowered and taking decisions by themselves and against the mainstream right um so yeah so i think you know when i first started doing porn i was like ah, i'm only gonna do queer porn and feminist porn because like there's enough of the others so i'm not gonna have sex for example i'm a cis woman so i'm not gonna have sex with men because that would be heteronormative um and then after a while i realized well but i am attracted to men that is part of my sexuality even part of my queer sexuality how can i pursue that and how can i represent that and so i guess it was yeah one like one step at a time doing everything that I thought I wouldn't do <laughs> and actually pushing my own boundaries, but in a really good way that was just questioning always like, why, why am I thinking this way? And what do I fear? And do I really do not want to do this or am I scared of doing this? Um, and in that way, like, yeah, just finding out who I really am, basically. You have such an interesting path coming from a little bit more of a conservative background from what I understand, and then going into understanding that you're pansexual and non-monogamous. Can you take us to that journey? So how do you realize that you are attracted to different people? Well, different people is not the correct wording, but that you're attracted to any types of people and, and genders, and also that you don't want to be with only one person in a, in a sexual relationship. So how do you go there? How do you discover that part of yourself? So I want to say it was all fun and good, but it's not true. <laughs> I think there was, from the very beginning on, it was, it's linked for me with a lot of pain and rejection and again, and self-doubt. Um, I was very, very lucky and privileged to have parents that were very liberal they were absolutely um, welcoming of, of queer sexualities. They taught me that, you know, people of any gender and any sexual orientation, that that was completely something pretty normal and fine and that it was wrong to discriminate against them. So that was something that I grew up knowing that I knew better, kind of. That sounds very arrogant, but that's how I felt. No, no, sure. <laughs> being, being a kid. And uh, so that's something that 
so when I grew up as a kid, I, I, I felt there was, I was a bit different, but I was kind of proud of being different. I found being different was, was cooler. <laughs> Sounds silly, but I mean, I was a kid. Um, and one of the ways that I like, yeah, started like describing, like finding my identity and defining my identity was by embracing this um, alternative sexuality. This being like, what if I'm a lesbian? What if I this and that? So actually, I, I, I was playing with this idea of being a lesbian before I even had developed my sexuality. So that was something that was always in my realm of possibilities somehow. More like as a, rele- a rebellious act almost more than... Um, yeah, that's something that I was even yet that I was even feeling. It was more like a like a rational, like a political statement. Um, so I think that you know the moment that you that you start saying something or, or behaving in a way that is not like acceptable in society, then you you know you you confront other people, but you're confronted as well. And then I think that is the good part about that is that you start thinking about everything and a lot more and that you can explore and learn about yourself so much more than if you like say say if you follow a path that is kind of like what people expect from you then you're just doing that and you're not giving it much thought because nothing you know everything seems like to go on smoothly but if you're like banging your head against people's opinions and and stuff then you're that opens up for yourself a lot of space to to question a lot of things which again can be painful when you feel you're disconnected and you feel isolated from the surroundings. But it can give you so much insight again into yourself and, and growth. So I think that was my journey, kind of like being being a rebel and being like, what if I'm a lesbian? Whatever, I'm cool. And then uh, but then of course like falling in love and and you know, having having partners, both women and men, and then feeling like I I was so I was a very curious person, and even when I was together with someone, I felt like okay, but I'm still interested in seeing other people and meeting other people and having sex with other people. And yeah, again, thinking that was wrong and thinking something was wrong with me, but then exploring further and until I found, you know, people in Berlin, of course, <laughs> that were like, no, you know, there's a thing. It's called polyamory, and that's fine. It can be ethical. You don't need to cheat on your partners. You can actually have an open conversation and take a informed decision together, a <laughs> uh, consensual decision that you want to meet other people. So yeah, a very, very long journey for me. I think to like, this is, this is the last 20 years of my life. I think it would be hard to, to summarize. Um, but I think oh, now sure. that I speak about it, what I, yeah, now that I speak about it, what I feel like, what I realize is like, it's so interesting that thinking back, there's things that I can't, imagine how I could, how I was before I knew what the word polyamory was, you know what I mean? And now it feels to me like, so like such an integral part of, of my personality and my identity, but it's so beautiful to think like, okay, you can always keep on growing and learning. You know, I'm like, I'm excited about what's going to be next, what I'm going to learn next. I'm going to like make myself another person or, or be more of myself. I don't know. That's getting esoteric now. <laughs> Theoretically, I know what you mean. I am uh, monogamous and in a in a long term relationship, but it it for me it makes total sense that we don't need to all be have the same interests. So very curious. What would you advise somebody that is curious into knowing if they want to be in an open relationship or if maybe they're not uh, straight or they're maybe they're not queer, they're pansexual, they're bisexual. So is there any specific advice you'd give somebody to think about or to try or to do uh, to guide them through a path where they can find that discovery for themselves? 
Great question. I would say if you're not, maybe not junk, but definitely at like at the beginning of this exploration, if you're just started say thinking about like, oh, it might, might I be different than when I thought I was? Uh, honestly, my, my first advice that I think it's a very safe path is like, get yourself a bit of culture from that, from, from that scene. So get, get yourself a book that talks about that or watch a film today. There's so many resources that you can see, like even, you know, even on Netflix, you can find stories and series about polyamory, about open relationships, queer stories. So I think the, you know, before you go and put yourself and your body in a situation where you might feel not feel, not feel right, not have the resources or the, 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 you know, the language to also communicate properly and, and in a fair way to other partners or even to yourself, uh, I would say first try to equip yourself with knowledge and with with a better understanding of what are the possibilities because the possibilities are endless, right? Uh, and it doesn't mean that you watch like read one book or watch a series and are like, okay, this is me. I feel represented now. I found it. Probably not. <laughs> but just like I think movies and all culture has such a big in- impact in how we understand ourselves that just like broadening your understanding of what is out there and and seeing different role models can already be really eye-opening. I think you've just given some great and safe advice, which is very important uh, because people can just try it at their own pace and even understand before trying something if it's for them or not. I want to explore something else with you because I know that you, that you have other projects, like like you, like you said in the beginning, apart from being um, a porn star, a director, a producer, and you have actually co-founded Lustery which is the home, and here I open air quotes, the real life partners. It's the home of real life partners filming their sex lives behind closed doors, a community of people who enjoy watching real intimacy and emotion in porn. I have to say, I was very, very interested about the website. I did some digging in. I loved it. How did you create this website and what came into your mind and your co-founder that there was a need for this? Oh, I'm so happy that you like it. That's wonderful. I wish you would. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, it's so real. Oh, I love that you would say that. I think so too. I love Lustry. I think it's, um, wait, where to start? Actually, the whole, how Lustry started was because I was working within this uh, so-called amateur porn, um, you know, kind of genre. Uh, because of how I look, I kind of fell on this like girl next door which, you know, another topic I could discuss. But <laughs> the thing was that that made me think a lot about, well, I think the word amateur porn is confusing because amateur originally means something that you're doing that it's not professional, right? It's something that someone does as a hobby. But amateur porn, like already five years ago, but today has become such a huge genre where a lot of people, a lot of companies do amateur porn professionally. So it's like, wait, what is it? Is it amateur or is it professional? Um, and I think a lot of the amateur porn that is out there is really just serving cliches of ideas of like, this is the kind of sexuality, I don't know, a woman would have. And it's like very sweet and girlish or like, this is the, you know what I mean? It's really, it's not really asking what is the authentic or real sexuality of a person. And it's, let's show that it's more like trying to fit in a, in a preconceived idea of what it should be. Not everything, of course. I think there's like amazing amateur porn out there and I'm a super big fan. But when we were like discussing these ideas, me and, and some colleagues from some um, another company where I used to work, um, and we were wondering, okay, but how, 
like how do you actually capture quote unquote real sex like how can you have sex in front of a camera and it for it to be like the most similar to what the sex would look like if you wouldn't have a camera and the problem i mean it's the same problem that any film documentary film has is the moment you put a camera in the room and people know there's a camera people are are going to be acting. They're, they're not going to act exactly the same way as if there wasn't a camera, unless they don't know it's a camera and that would be, you know, non-consensual and that would not be okay. So that's not an option, right? right. <laughs> don't do it out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then if you keep on thinking, you know, sex always has a little bit of a performative aspect to it. Even if you're, even if you don't have a camera, like especially say if you have you know, when you, like, I think that the most clear example to understand that is like when you have a wide net stand, you know, you're performing a little bit, even if it's for yourself or for your partner, but there's something performative about it. And um, the question is more like, for whom is this performance? So, you know, thinking about these questions, what we came to decide is like, okay, say you have two people that know each other, that have a sexual relationship with each other going on. They know each other's bodies. They know what, you know, turns the other on. They know how the other comes. And they may be having even like a routine, possibly, you know, you might know, you know, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> relationship yourself. <laughs> so um, what about if we give these people a camera and ask them to make the camera part of their game and they are in the comfort of their own homes and there's no rules. So there's not like, okay, you have to do these positions or do these sex acts. And there's nothing that they, they can't do. There's absolutely no dual sec- uh, no rules sexually. And we're just like, hey, just take the camera and, look through the camera and look what you usually would like to see. Like, don't show me what you think I want to see. Show me what you want to see, right? And do what you really want to do. So with that premise, um, well, I just think that's like the closest that you can get to capturing actual people's lives. And that's why I like to call it documentary porn, because it's basically capturing and documenting the sex life that people have behind closed doors. What I really loved about the website, about Lustry, is that, first of all, you could choose the type of um, subject that you were looking. So if it was queer, straight, um, gay, etc. But well, that's also a norm in most websites, but I, I still enjoy that. And second is the way that the porn was actually filmed, because it seemed like I was in the couple's intimacy without being. And it felt natural. You know, a lot of porn uh pornography i don't think it feels natural it feels like a performance like you were saying well even the name performance porn um but in in lustre it didn't feel like that was that one of the goals as well absolutely the idea was to have yeah to to have people really shooting what their sex life looks like and what they want to share so really not not giving any direction and i think i'm really happy that you said that 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 you can see that in the in the videos because that's definitely one of our goals to just leave people enough free space and room for them to to choose and to i think it's so interesting because it's give it's it's i think it's an empowering experience a lot of couples say they you know they love doing it and it has also like you know been interesting for their own relationship and has like spice up things or or, or bring them into other levels uh even like made the communication better because you know if since they're talking about like how to shoot this you end up talking about sex so like there's a lot of layers where it's about communication and 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 the relationship more than the sex and i think that is part of the videos as well and i think that's what personally makes it so interesting for me like you're getting to know these people a little bit as much as they want to share and you're yeah you're not only ha- seeing them having sex but you're also 
like kind of getting an insight into their relationship and into the special connection that they have with each other. For sure. And do couples that provide content for Lustry, are they, they receive a payment or is this just for their own pleasure as well? No, absolutely. Everyone is paid. I think that, you know, it's part of, it's Lustry, it's a commercial platform. And for you to see all of the videos, you have to pay a membership fee. Um, and of course, every couple gets paid for their videos. The, the idea, yeah, or like the, the model at Lustre is that every couple gets the same amount of money for the different formats. We have different formats, so that's different money. But each couple gets the same. It doesn't matter if you're doing like a, you know, vanilla, super cuddly session, or if you're having like a super hardcore BDSM, I don't know what. So the, the idea is that we really want couples doing what they want to do. So we don't pay more for like more likes or more views or more comments or whatever it is. Because then we think like, okay, then couples will be like, okay, then I'm going to maybe do this because I know it's going to bring me more money, right? Which is what happens in other platforms, which is fine. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that there's something wrong about that, but then it goes more into the performance area, which it, I want to say like, I also don't think that's wrong. Like I love performative porn. I'm really into it. I just think that's a genre and, you know, which for me would be like fiction porn. And then there is more documentary porn, which this is what it is. And yeah, and the idea is like to, to create a space where they're, really do whatever they feel like doing. And there's like no incentive, like no money incentive in them doing something that they might not want to do. Just before we, we go into talking about the Porn Film Festival in Berlin, I want to say that please do check out the website. I think it's excellent for foreplay. Um, even if you don't have a paid subscription, you can see a little snippets of the videos. And I'm sure you will want to, to, to pay the subscription because paid porn feels so much better. And it's, it's so much better the the content itself absolutely amen <laughs> <laughs> i love that so since 2003 you've been a curator for the porn film festival in berlin so how has being involved in conversations around ethics money body image and mental health changed the way that you make porn oh great question actually uh, yeah a lot <laughs> um being part of the porn film festival the porn film festival is really a, a place for discussion and dialogue. Like that's one of our main, the main reasons that we do it is like bringing people out of their houses and the way that people usually consume porn, which is like alone in your house in front of your computer. And we're like, no, let's go into this public space. Let's go into the cinema and sit down with a hundred people, watch these films, and then let's talk about it. So yeah, it, it fosters a lot of conversation around all of these topics. And um, it's expanded my mind in so many ways. Like I've learned so much from filmmakers, of course, but also from audiences and from random interactions that, that happen in the festival and that feels really magic. I think I've, um, I've learned a lot and I keep on learning, of course, of, of about different perspectives and like being more aware of what well, is basically being more aware, of course, of my own position and my own privilege and trying to make more space um, for for being more inclusive of other perspectives and, and positions. Uh, so like the idea of, all, like my goal would always be to to allow for as many different representations of bodies, sexuality, sexual practices, um, and desires as possible. And I think that's something that with the Prompting Festival is like, it's really inherent to the festival. Like that's what the festival is all about. Like really being as inclusive as possible. And every year we, you know, learn more and learn from our mistakes and keep on growing. Uh, and I guess that's something that, yeah, that I'm so grateful for. And 
I think that also helped you to be an intimacy coordinator for mainstream productions. Am I correct? Well, this is the fun thing about intimacy coordination. I think working in porn is probably the best teacher for becoming an intimacy coordinator because even though, of course, a sex performance for a porn film can be very different than a sex performance in a, in a feature film, the basics of it, the communication, the words, the, the way one negotiates consent, which is at the core of the work of an intimacy coordinator, that's what you learn in porn. That's intrinsic in porn. So I find it really interesting because generally people in society think like, oh, the porn industry, you know, there's a lot of exploitation and, and it's bad practices and so on. But actually, the reality is that the porn industry has way better practices around consent than actually the film, the mainstream film industry. So I've always worked in both industries and I kind of had a double life um, where I kept, you know, these two personas like away from each other. And for me, finding the work of intimacy coordinator has been the missing link for me to 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 connect these two, well, these two identities that I had, but also these two industries. Because I think the the mainstream film industry can learn so much, and I bring all of my experience that I've that I've collected in porn, and also working, of course, in DIY, anti-sexist, anti-racist, anti-homophobic, and anti-transphobic contexts and um, and spaces. Like all of that is what I bring into the mainstream film industry as an intimacy coordinator. Interesting. I can see how passionate you are, you know, about this industry, about porn, about intimacy, and about making sure that everything is consensual. And whilst researching and, and looking at all your work, I stumbled across a work that you did with uh, Rod Weiler and where you created hard work. <laughs> Try this is my this is my best German, where you create gang bang sessions that are filmed cinematically and produced ethically. So what is it about gangbang that is usually, you know, misconceived and why do you, did you like it so much that you were able to, to do this production uh, with Rod uh, Weiler? Thank you so much for asking. I love hard work so much because it's for me, like my, the ultimate, yeah, my, what feels like the ultimate step towards my feminist practice within porn, uh, because gangbang, as you're saying, it's, there's, it's so loaded. This is the word, when you say the word gangbang, like what crosses people's minds is wild. <laughs> People think about like real life uh, violence and like, you know, situations where, you know, it would be like a lot of men taking advantage of a woman or something. And for me, it was like so important to reclaim this, what, what I see as an orgiastic celebration and what I see as a dynamic where there's one person in the middle and a lot of people serving this person in their ultimate like sexual like preferences and, and, and fantasies. So for me personally, a gangbang, it was a fantasy that I've had forever, <laughs> like since I can think of. Is it like Cleopatra <laughs> and having everybody around, you know, giving her the best yes. needs? Absolutely. It's totally like I'm an only child. And for me, like a gangbang is like the ultimate only child princess dream you know it's like you're there and you're like all of these people are here for my very own sexual pleasure <laughs> so i wanted to really like break through this idea that feminist porn needs to be like pastel colors and soft and vanilla and like you know focus on like slow sex which is great and you know i love slow sex and all of that i think it's amazing that that's having a place and being represented in porn but i wanted to show something that is also very hardcore and just be like okay and it's um 
So the woman's pleasure does not need to be like soft, quote unquote, on pastel. Like it can be also as hardcore as any other production. It's it's interesting what you just said, because I feel that uh, right now, when, when people talk about pornography, you talk about, you know, mainstream pornography, where usually the center is the men and their pleasure and not the women's uh, sides. Then you have feminist porn, where, like you were saying, it's like pastel colors. And yes, please give it to me, but like in a soft way. So I think you kind of created like a third one or you were trying to 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 get there with, you know, there can be more aggressive or more hardcore porn, but that is still in a feminist way. Is, is this, am I posing it correctly? I would hope so. I, I wish, I mean, I don't know if I, you know, I don't want to be as arrogant. I mean, like I'm creating a new thing. <laughs> I know also a lot of, like, I know many, um, you know, other filmmakers that are also, doing like similar projects and having like this aesthetic approach of being like, okay, I want to create something that is aesthetically, I don't know, special or like that has like a concrete aesthetical approach, uh, but also in capturing like this super hardcore, messy, rough sex. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say I'm the only one doing this, but yes, that is definitely what I wanted to do. And I think the combination of Rod and me is kind of like a, we were a really good team, both like creatively and production wise, because I think somehow we do, yeah, we do combine different gazes and, and worlds. So like, yeah, like what I, like what, for example, what we're really trying to aim with every hard work film is that, you know, people ask me like, what, who is this film for? Is it for women? Is it for men? I'm like, well, I'm really hoping to manage to create films that are both appealing to women and men. And, you know, the reason why these people would be attracted to the film is not because of their gender, but because they're into the actions and, and the aesthetics of whatever it's happening there. So trying to break away from like, you know, this binary of like, this is for men, this is for women, women are like this, men like this other thing. And being like, no, let's let's forget about that. We're talking, we're in the realm of sexuality. People, everyone is super different. And we should stop categorizing like sexuality preferences by gender, right? And open it up or, or by, even by body parts or like, you know, body profiles like let's talk about the sex acts i think that's more way more progressive and, and way more radical um than anything else really i agree so somebody can be searching for porn that's more vanilla or bdsm or role play or gangbang instead of queer and straight etc etc i agree exactly makes total sense i love the work that you're doing and i love how open-minded oh, you, you are because it really helps to you know, broaden the way that people can view their own sexuality or um, help everybody else as well. And with that in mind, how do you keep your relationship open, exciting, and intimate? Oh, that's a really, really good question. And I'm, I'm afraid I don't have a, a really good answer, to be honest. Actually, both uh, my partner and I, Rod, who is my partner, we're very much into work and uh, working a lot and having a lot of stress is not the best friend of keeping a relationship sexually active and fun and playful, to be very honest. Um, interestingly enough, I think the fact that Rodami work in porn, it's something that is very enriching. Like, you know, sometimes even if there's a period of time where we're maybe not having so much sex ourselves, even if it sounds a little bit creepy, but in a good way and respectful way, like through the porn that we do, we also... Like we keep somehow our sexuality alive because we're dealing with something that is sexual, um, even if it's if we're living it through others. <laughs> uh, so that's that's something I think I found very interesting and that I like to 
that I like to consider as in like, I think, you know, sexuality is way more than just like having sex, like in a very narrow sense of having sex. I think there's a lot of parts of life that contain a sexual power. Um, again, with, without, you know, without, I don't like, I'm not really esoteric and I'm not really, and I don't want to be a creep or anything, but um, like in, um, how to explain this? Yeah, I think acknowledging that there is sexuality in other realms of, of our lives without it having to turn into like a physical sexuality or, or just, just seeing it as something that gives you sexual energy in a positive or negative way, I find that can be enriching. And that's something that I found, like I have a, I have a big issue maintaining actually um, healthy and playful sexual relationship with people that I'm together with for a long time, just because I'm someone that loves novelty. Like I love new things, new people, new stuff. So of course, when I'm really, when I love someone so much and I know them so well, this, like my love is, can be so big, but my sexual libido can go down. And, um, and I think like enlarge, like making the realm of sexuality bigger and, and, and trying to enjoy like things that might not be like having sex every evening, but watching porn together or, yeah, or doing porn together or, you know, other stuff can be, can be a way of like still honoring that common sexuality if that makes sense oh it makes total sense and just like um, a little suggestion pleasey play can help you with breaking up the routine it can help that's that's what i was hoping i'm like you need to tell me <laughs> what am i gonna do <laughs> I think you're doing all the right stuff and um, with some toys in the mix, which I'm sure you, you already tried. And if you don't, if you haven't, it's because you don't want to, which is perfectly fine as well. Um, I'm sure you're doing all the right stuff, especially with uh, Lustery. You have a lot of foreplay and interesting content to watch. Polita, where can everybody find you and Lustery as well? So I'm on social, even though I hate social media, but you know, I guess you have to. So, uh, and I love, of course, everyone of my followers and I appreciate every comment and every like. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Paulita Papel. And you can find Lustry at www.lustry.com and also on uh, Lustry POV on Instagram and Lustry POV on Twitter. And you can also find Hardwork at hardwork.com and also on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Hardwork Studio. Just so everybody knows, hard work is W-E-R-K, not O. Uh, it's uh, not work as in the English word. Polita, I've had a blast. <laughs> I you. loved getting to know you and everything that you do. Um, I think we're going to have some interesting things to come to everybody that's listening to us, but I won't say anything um, just, just of yet. So thank you so much for being with us. And I hope we can talk very soon again. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure. And that was Intimacy Play. We hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about Pleasy and how we can take your relationship to the next level, visit pleasyplay.com. Then also make sure to search for Intimacy Play in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Pleasy, thank you for listening.